Greetings and welcome back to Three Gens Theology. Uh, here we are, um, hoping to come alongside you and uh, share uh, scriptural truth in an orderly way to, to be a support to your walk of faith. As we uh, now are discussing pneumatology, there are lots of thoughts and uh, misconceptions about the, who the Spirit is and what He does. And so this is a, a really important uh, uh, whole topic that we're taking piece by piece here, uh, walking through pneumatology. So we're happy that you are with us today and looking forward uh, to talking about some of, the, some of his names today. So let, let's start with prayer. Father, we come before you. We thank you for the Spirit uh, that uh, gives us understanding, that gives us power, that... Uh, gives us your presence. Uh, pray that you would help us as we discuss these uh, truths about him, that we'll speak accurately and that your word will go out. And uh, Lord, that you would help it to change lives, that we might grow uh, closer to you and then uh, live in a way that is uh, more confident in you as well. Thank you for this time together in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Dan. Um the words clarify and clarity have to do with uh, making something clear, making it understandable. We have some clarifying to do. Uh, since we've learned the word spirit is used in many ways in scripture, we want to be able to distinguish the places where the spirit of God, the third member of the Trinity, is mentioned and those places where the same word is used for wind or breath or the human spirit. Um, once we understand how the third member of the Trinity uh, is distinguished in, and how these terms that are used concerning him can be best understood, then it will make it uh, easier for you to study the word, the names and works of the Holy Spirit. So today we hope to discuss those subjects for you. It's great. The first thing that I, we're going to look at really is the, the names and titles of the Holy Spirit. And there's a whole group of them that I like to refer to by saying the, the Spirit of, because then you can add something to that at the end with, with each one of them. And of course, the, the uh, most commonly heard and most commonly used would be that of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God used in both testaments of the Holy Spirit. Um, we see that, once again, <laughs> get ready guys, we're going to be looking at a very important aspect of grammar. And that is not your grammar, but the grammar of the language. And we are talking about the genitive and the ablative. Genitive having to do with possession, and the ablative having to do with coming from something. So in the case of the phrase Spirit of God, there are really two different ways in which it can be used and two different ways in which it can be understood. The one having to do with the spirit that belongs to God, that is God's spirit, and the other is the spirit that comes from God. So when we talk about the spirit of God, we can be talking about those two, but there is actually a third. And that is the spirit that has the characteristics of God. 
And of course, there we're obviously talking about the Holy Spirit. So we're not talking about God as spirit, and we're not talking about the spirit from God, though the Holy Spirit can be referred to as the spirit from God. I think that's where, um, I think one of the main misconceptions, uh, the way, the, one of the main confusions when you're reading about this title, the Spirit of God, is that there's times where it seems like it is the Father in spirit, mm. right? It's, it's like, like if my spirit were doing something, it's my spirit. I mean, it's not like a separate, separate from me uh-huh. spirit. And so there's times when you're reading the scriptures and it talks about God's spirit doing something or the spirit of God doing right. something. It does have that feel that it is the Father doing something. Not the spirit, but the Father doing something in spirit. Right. And right. so if you if you looked only at those passages, you could come up with um, two persons of the Godhead instead of three persons of the Godhead very easily. And, and they're... And then form a uh, form a whole theology to try to shove in other things mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. the spirit not really being a third person of the Trinity. Yes. But then you just to to combat that it's so clearly seen that there is a separation. Yes. Uh, the baptism of Christ, where there are three, the Jesus sending the Spirit. Um, you know, separate from him, sending the Spirit. And the Father and the Son sending the Spirit. Yes, yeah, right. so, right. so, but 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 this title, I like it that it, it so closely identifies in the unity of the Godhead, right? That right. You, you can see them doing exactly the same thing. There's com- complete harmony there, which is on the good side of that. But I think sometimes when you read these passages, it seems like it's just the Father in spirit, mm-hmm. not a separate person of the of the Godhead. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it does. Uh, uh, let's let's look at one of the passages where the phrase is used in the Old Testament, and this especially will... in the Old Testament, you don't you don't readily see the separate persons of the Trinity. But I think even in the New Testament, it's that way as well. Yeah, it's one of the concerns that we have is that we recognize that where, for instance, the phrase the Spirit of the Lord or the Spirit of God uh, is used, that we very carefully look at the context Mm -hmm. and see what it is that it's actually describing. Let's look at Exodus 31.3 for a second. I'm going to start with the first verse, again, trying to make sure that our context is clear. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses. Now, obviously, in this case, we're going to say the Lord is God. If we go to what we talked about in Christology and recognize the fact that very often when there is the speaking or appearing of God in the Old Testament, it's the Son. Uh, it could be the Son speaking here. See, I have called by my name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold, in silver, and in bronze, and in cutting of the stones for settings, and the carving of the wood that he may work 
in all kinds of craftsmanship. So all of this was done in preparation for the building of the tabernacle. This man is given the privilege of being filled with the Spirit of God. And it says it separately. The Lord is speaking and the Lord is saying, we'll fill you with the Spirit. That's right. Not with, not I will fill you. That's right. Right. Yeah. That's right. So he will be filled with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding. And it's important for us to pay close attention to what is described here because it describes the filling of the Holy Spirit. It describes abilities given by the one who is doing the filling. Mm -hmm. And it describes the kinds of craftsmanship and work that he will be able to do in order to accomplish the work that God has for him to do. And it's interesting, if you go on in that passage in verse 6, it says, And behold, I myself have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Asamashek, of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all who were skillful, I have put skill that they make, may make all that I have commanded you. So very clearly here, the Lord is saying, I have filled this one man, I have given the ability upon appointment. In other words, the Lord decided specifically who were the workmen were going to be and then enabled them to be able to do that. And one of the terms I love to use in regard to the work of the Holy Spirit, both in the Old and New Testament, is enablement. Mm -hmm. Enablement. And in this case, we see the enablement provided by the filling of the Spirit of God to do the work that God, the Lord intended. Yeah, so that's a great passage because you see both the... Um, the Lord speaking and and a separate sending. Yes. Right, a separate sending, um, not of not that I will fill you, but the Spirit will fill you. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So I do think that is uh, some a confusion sometimes um, as you're reading through and it, uh, just a uh, Romans eight passage. Uh, all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so in that setting, it just it, it's it, as you read that. You can read that as, as the as the Father in spirit, mm. you know, is in you or that kind of thing. But um, you you could almost do away with the third person because it's the Father's spirit or the Son's spirit. But but then you have other passages that uh, have a separation that make it impossible to have that theology, even though as you're reading right. the simple um, God's spirit. The Spirit of God, those things. Uh, it sometimes it in those settings it seems like there's not a separation of the person of the Spirit. If you yeah, see, try, try to see what I'm trying to say there, <laughs> but I then do. you can't you can't hold that. But uh, there have been people who have tried to say there's one God, right? Um, and um, and and you just can't hold that when you look at the Scripture as a whole. Well, and we talked quite a long time ago as we were talking about the doctrine of God, about individuals who have tried to picture God as being a, a huge body somewhere that has all the regular human parts and would have a spirit. 
The problem is when you get into true biblical theology and you deal with the issue of, say, the Father, when you would say the Spirit of the Father, what exactly would that mean? Does, does God the Father have a spirit per se? That's something that we see the Son when we are talking about the Spirit being given up while he was on the cross. He gave up his spirit right. to the Father. Now, we know that the God-man did have a spirit, but is there a meaning of the Father's spirit that is apart from his existing as a spirit? spirit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that's another issue that there, comes there into are that diffi- There are difficult question. issues there, but still clearer uh, division of three persons. Yes. Right. Um, and it, so the the simple reading of Spirit of God in some passages cannot do away with the Trinity because it's so clear in other passages. Right. Now, going back to the ablative again, one of our favorite words here, um, when we're talking about the Spirit from God, what that helps us to picture clearly is the fact that the Holy Spirit has his own place in the Trinity and that he is being sent from the Father, from the Son, as a person, just as the Son was sent into the world. So we also see that the Spirit was sent from the Father and from the Son. So he is the Spirit of God in that sense, in some context as well. Then there's the Spirit of the Lord. Right, closely related to the Spirit of God. Very closely related. (laughs) Just more specific title at the end than the other. I mean, it would be really a synonym, but the Spirit of of Yahweh or Jehovah. Yeah. 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 The Spirit of Yahweh or Jehovah, once again, uh, having the same kind of activities uh, concerning his work. It clearly says that the Spirit of the Lord is doing a particular work, has accomplished something, is coming upon someone. We again see this very clear picture of a person who is doing some specific work. Then we have the spirit of his son. And this one becomes a little more complicated, much as the spirit of Jesus Christ or the spirit of Christ. Might as well mention all All three three of of those those together, right? At the same time. Yep. When we talk about the Spirit of Christ or the Spirit of the Son, what might we be referring to? Well, it could be both. It could be, as you said, when he died, he gave up his spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be his Jesus giving up, in his human sense, giving up the, his spirit, the, the disconnection of the spirit and body. Right. Um, but not referring to the Holy Spirit in that setting. Yes. But then when Jesus says he will send the Spirit, there is a, a difference then, again, yes. between the two. Yes. Right? It's not him being sent. He's not sending him. <laughs> he, he's not sending his own self. You're right. He's sending another. And so uh, that would there uh, obviously be this, the Holy Spirit uh, as well. And this, this kind of goes back to our study of Christology, doesn't it, where we learn that the Holy Spirit led the Son, the, 
the uh, God-man, Jesus Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, accomplished the works that he did. But we also know that he had it. He had a spirit, right? Uh, in order to exist as a human with a human. In Jesus nature. becoming man, there are similarities with us. I have my own spirit, and yet I have the Holy Spirit in me because I'm a believer. Exactly. And so those two can be different and in me at the same time. Yep. And that's a similar situation to what we find when we see the relationship between God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, who was led by Him in his own spirit. We see Jesus uh, referred to in that way in many ways. His spirit was moved uh, is a kind of phrase that would be used of Jesus. Uh, spirit was moved co- with compassion. Uh, that is referring to his, his human spirit, where the Holy Spirit, of course, was involved in, in other aspects of, of his life. I do think the difficulty to divide uh, though sometimes it, it is such a beautiful picture of the harmony of the of the, of the Godhead, um, even in our discussions of Christ being led by the Spirit. Um, did he, there's such unity between what Christ knew he, he should accomplish and what the Spirit wanted him to accomplish mm-hmm. that it was it's difficult to delineate, distinguish the two. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. awesome. I mean, it, is. It, it makes it theologically difficult for us to to uh, divide the two, but it's a beautiful thing because there's perfect uh, matching initiative um, between whatever the Father says for me to do, I'll do, and the same is said of the Spirit. Whatever yes. the Father gives him to say, he will. Um, and so um, beautiful you know, there's harmony. beautiful harmony there, yeah, there really which is. does make it more difficult on a on a theological side to distinguish between them because they're all doing, they're not doing the same things, but they're doing, doing them in the same direction. Yes. And there's such a, such a matching of, of, um, I I was going to say spirit. That's not a good word to use. Uh, A matching of attitude, Mm -hmm. um, and initiative there that, that, uh, it is a beautiful, a beautiful picture. So the difficulty we have sometimes in seeing the distinction of the Holy Spirit in, even with these titles that we're talking about, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, um, it actually is a beautiful thing, though yes. it makes it challenging for us to, to parse it out every time. And, and, and in that regard, we come to that word that we've used a few times before, and that is mystery. There, it really isn't necessary for us to parse mm-hmm. the difference between whether the Son is doing something or whether the Spirit's doing something, uh, unless there's an issue that's being made in Scripture about that. Let's look at a, a passage from the New Testament that fits closely into what we're talking about with the Spirit of His Son, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Romans eight fourteen to 16 is a good one. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, These are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now notice this this very interesting combination of elements. You have not received the spirit of bondage. 
Well, the Holy Spirit would never be the spirit of bondage, but the idea of bondage as a principle or as a spirit that we might feel or, or sense or uh, uh, exhibit, this is not what we've received. We have received the spirit that causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. That's the spirit of adoption. And so here our translators make it a capital S for obvious reason. And then it goes on to say the Spirit himself, once again identifying the Holy Spirit very clearly, witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. And here is a beautiful, beautiful connection that is made that is so important for our understanding how the Holy Spirit works with us as human beings who've come to know Christ. The Spirit of God works with our human spirit in order that we might be aware of the fact that we have a relationship with the Father. And so we cry out to the Father, Daddy, Abba, Father, because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is working within us to make it clear that we have that relationship. That's one of the things he does for us. Uh, the using the three spirit ofs in the in this section: spirit of God, spirit of slavery, spirit of adoption. Mm-hmm. It does show that, uh, as you were saying before, the the characteristics of um, the spirit with the characteristic that is God, the spirit that would have the characteristic of bondage mm-hmm. and the spirit that would have the char- characteristic of adoption. Yes. And so it, it matches that uh, having the characteristic of theme throughout that through, throughout those verses. It does. Absolutely. The spirit of Christ is a phrase that's used only, I believe, once or twice in the New Testament. Uh, well, a few times. But it, the, the important thing to think about with the Spirit of Christ is the places in which it is used. Because the first feeling that we're going to have is when we read the Spirit of Christ, it must be speaking of Christ's Spirit. That is the Spirit that belongs to him as a person. Um, It's interesting then to, to look at places where it's used and see how it is used to see if there's a a help in that. So let's look at 1 Peter 1. Good place in the New Testament to to, uh, see this. 1 Peter 1, verse 11. I know I'll get there sometime before the end of the podcast. All right. I'm going to go to verse 10 in that chapter. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from
from heaven things which the angels long to look into. This is a passage that we looked at when we were talking about bibliology. But the beautiful thing about this passage is that we find that uh, there is a direct link between what the prophets were looking at as they prophesied. They were trying to know what this was referring to, when it was going to be, who it is that was being spoken of, and the Spirit of Christ, or the Spirit from Christ, is the one who is within them, giving them this prophecy. The Holy, one of the works of the Holy Spirit is that of uh, giving the Word of God to those who write it down or those who speak it. And so here we see the Spirit of Christ, or the Spirit from Christ, very importantly connected with Christ, because Christ means... Messiah. And so these prophecies concerning the Messiah were not intended to be fulfilled in their time when the prophets were prophesying, but later on. Right. When the Spirit of God would, the Holy Spirit, would come and enable those who preach to bring the message that even angels had been longing to look into. So we see the Holy Spirit mentioned in two different ways here, really. The one, the spirit from Messiah, or the spirit related to Messiah, and then the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. I think that in, in that passage, even though to, trans, to translate it literally, it would be spirit of Christ, I do think a better English translation would be spirit of Messiah, because mm-hmm. it's not talking about uh, Christ, the title of a person, mm-hmm. it's talking about the Messiah, right? Um, which is what Christ means. But in our reading, when we see Christ, we think of yes, the guy that died on the cross, Jesus. right? The the body, and yes. and, uh, and so I think that Spirit of Messiah uh, would be there. It's not for this discussion, but <laughs> in that passage, I think <laughs> Messiah would be a much better English translation, even though it's not literal. There, right. yeah, um, yeah, and I, so. I do think there is, I, I would say there is some mystery there of why would they say Spirit of Christ and then say Holy Spirit if they didn't mean different things. So could it mean the, the Christ, the time of the, of the Messiah? It's hard to put that into Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I would think no. But there is some question there yes. about, sure. about that. Why would they use different things? But it, even if you think that it's talking about Spirit of Christ meaning Christ, not meaning the Spirit, okay. I mean, that I don't. You have to hard. You have a hard time getting there with this. Yeah. But then it says Holy Spirit, which is obviously not the person of the Godhead, Christ. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, and so again, you, the 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 beautifulness of the harmony makes it hard to exactly say this and this and this at times, but it's undeniable of the Trinity in those things. Right. And I think for those of us who are trying to, to work our way through this passage, one thing that's very helpful is, again, to remember that it's talking about the prophets long right. before Jesus Christ right. was actually, actually on there. the earth. Yep. So if we're talking about the spirit of Christ, that is Jesus' spirit, 
this would be very out of context with what we're reading here because they have to be ha- they have to be receiving information from the spirit and it's the spirit that is sent from the one who is to be the Christ right. it is a spirit that relates to the coming Christ but the prophecies all relate to someone who's not yet come and so it's a it's a beautiful uh, a beautiful passage and a challenging one but very clearly referring to the holy spirit of right. god yep. we have a couple more titles that we we should look at before we wrap things up today uh, and that would be the helper the helper and the comforter and the helper and the comforter are passage are titles that are used related to uh, a Greek word that is parakletos, which is literally translatable, one who's called alongside to help. One who's called alongside to help. And that certainly would be a, a wonderful reference to the Holy Spirit, who uh, in both the Old and the New Testament is one who is definitely the helper, if you will, of those with whom we worked and the comforter, right. which obviously, if you think of one who gives help or gives aid, he is one who comforts. And that's a wonderful way for us to think about the Holy Spirit, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Not just one who helps us to do the things that we need to do, but the one who is uh, alongside to comfort as we live our lives uh, serving the living God. So if you've seen that that term, the paraclete, um, it is just a transliteration of the Greek yeah. the word that is used for comforter or helper. Um, and so then in different translations, it could, could tr- transliterate and just say paraclete. It could tr- uh, um, translate it to comforter or helper. Right. And the, really, it's all, those are all referring to the same title uh, of the Spirit in this setting. Um in fact, I do like your Job, uh, the Job passage uh, that you uh, comment on here that says uh, that they're miserable comforters. That it's that that it's <laughs> yeah. that, that idea. Um, yes, it's not talking about the spirit there. Not it's talking, talking about, about his, the his friends, his friends who were not good at comforting. <laughs> um, but that's it's, so it's a it's a descriptive title. It's not a yeah, Paraclete is not a. Um, it's not just a title given, but it's a it's a descriptor of what he is, yes. comforter, helper. And, right. and that brings up something, Dan, that we should probably mention as well, and that is that there are titles or descriptive uh, phrases used of the Spirit of God mm-hmm. that actually relate to his character. Right. For example, we can say the Spirit of Truth, right. uh, the Spirit of Holiness, the Spirit of Grace, the spirit of glory. Each of these is used in various places throughout Scripture, describing him, what his character is like uh, as God. And then we have another one that I'll add here just to give you a, a, an encouragement to look this one up. The sevenfold spirit is used in Proverbs and it's also used in Isaiah, referring to, and uh, in, in the New Testament as well. I won't go into that passage, you can look that one up. But it has to do with uh, seven of the things that are accomplished in the lives of individuals who have 
the Holy Spirit. In other words, these are things he produces, very similar, by the way, to the list of the fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians. Right. Enjoy that. Uh, the, this, the first half of the names we talked through were, were all uh, basically the Spirit sense or or the spirit of you know there was obviously like the, the the parsing there of figuring out but the this second half of the uh, advocate helper comforter truth holiness grace glory those are all uh, like awesome things that we can you know claim for ourselves uh, we know that we see in scripturally that the Holy Spirit is these things he brings these yes. things and so as we are going about our lives we can you know we know that uh, that he is with us and we can we can claim the claim is a weird word but we can claim those and uh, just how comforting that is to, yes. to know that he's with us at all times and he is comforting to you mean that? yes yeah. <laughs> uh, well yeah. said yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah even even the Romans 8 passage we looked at the spirit of adoption it's it's not um, uh, it's not the same as holiness in that way but it is what he accomplishes it mm-hmm. does accomplish that that bringing us into the family um, and so um, yeah yeah, and so I, I think ones. I think those those concepts, once we really begin to understand that it's not a, a sterile enhancement, it's not as though the Holy Spirit says, there you are, enjoy them, but it's his actual presence in us making these things occur in us that brings us great joy mm-hmm. and great confidence that uh, the God is at work in me. All right. Yvonne and I have, have um, talked about this with uh, several times um, when she had her spinal tumor and we were facing the unknown of if it was terminal or not. You know, it just, it was all, all, all the possibilities were out there. And she went through a lot of pain. We went through a lot of searching. Uh, you know, all, all of those things were going on. And yet as we went through that, there was a conf- confidence, is a strong word, a peace there um, that uh, um, we don't know. We have no idea what the future holds, um, but we're okay. And it was not that we were strong or that settled or all those things. It was that we felt as though the, that the Lord gave us grace through that time. Amen. Uh, and so then what's, what's wonderful about that is that then when time becomes normal again, not, not crisis, you live with that confidence of that grace being yeah. given. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of how the Spirit works is he works in you and with you through the ups and downs of life. And then as you experience life, you, you can grow in that confidence in him uh, for the other parts of life. That's right. And so as you grow in uh, the spirit of truth and the spirit of holiness and the spirit of glory and the spirit of grace, and you experience these things throughout life uh, as you have a better understanding of the glory he should, deserve, he should have um, in some setting of life, then you go on to the rest of your life with that knowledge yes. of the glory that he should have. Yes. And so in all of those descriptive areas... Um, and my dad would have talked about when my mom passed that he felt like the, 
the Lord just wrapped his arms around him and gave him comfort. And he, and he would say that he wouldn't trade that for the world. You know, he didn't want my mom to pass, of course, but he, but he wouldn't have traded that experiencing the Spirit working with him uh, for anything. Amen. And so I think there's so much of that that, like you say, it's not just um, uh, dumped on us in the way that we get it all at once, but whether we, we experience it as we live with the Spirit and then we move on with those greater, fuller understandings of yes. the Spirit and, and uh, how... How great that is. The Lord puts it so beautifully in Romans when he says that we are comforted by the God of all comfort that we might be able to comfort, comfort. others right. Right. based upon the experience of having received his comfort. I'd like to add a, a, a quick illustration for our, re, our listeners um, related to what you just mentioned about the time when, when Vaughn had the tumor and uh, the Lord gave you peace. One of the really beautiful experiences we had at that time was the church helped us to come back from Japan so that we could be there at the time of Yvonne's surgery. And uh, we were in the bedroom next to you guys in, in the hotel. And uh, we heard the shower and Vaughn was singing in the shower that night before her surgery. Yep. With, with all her nervousness and, and everything else, you know, every, going into a surgery is never a comfortable thing, but it was just such a joy to hear her singing yeah, praises to the Lord in, in the shower that night before she went to bed and got up to the surgery. To surgery, yep, yep. That's the comfort and, of the and Holy the Spirit. spirit. The, right, the Spirit carries you through those things, and then you have that better grasp on who He is uh, for the rest of your life. That's right. Right. So, so good. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, obviously the spirit has impacted our lives and, uh, that's what he does. He, yes. he works in us and through us. And, uh, as we surrender to his work, uh, he does a greater work in us and through us. So how, how good that is. Well, thanks for joining with us today as we talked about these titles of the spirit and hopefully we can grow in our confidence of who he is and uh, our submission and surrender to his ways in our life and then uh, to grow in a way that's closer and uh, more, f- more full in our relationship with him. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time.